Welcome to the Art of Neighboring Podcast, Episode 2. And so from the very beginning, um, this the heart of hospitality was there. People genuinely liked each other. Um, they just hung around together, spent time together. We were formed out of community groups. Two community groups became New City. And so from the very beginning, community and that relationship aspect was always at the heart of it. And even the leadership as they planned and dreamed and schemed together was always built around that strong sense of friendship and wanting to invite other people into it. So from the very beginning, that has kind of been the the heartbeat of the church. It's Brian, can you tell me about yourself? Yeah, um, so married, um, I'm Cheryl for 15 years. We've got three bio girls, 8, 10, and 12 years old. Um, up until just a few days ago, we had a couple foster kids living with us. Um, they went, they've been with us for about a year and a half. They went on to what we hope is going to be their forever home. Awesome. Um, their adoptive home. So we're kind of sad, um, but also really excited for them. You know, this might be, might be the place where they'll end up. And so really, even our fostering um, came out of some of this desire for neighboring, you know, particularly the the least and the lost, the poor and the, the disenfranchised. For all intents and purposes, these kids were orphans. They had nobody. And it's easy to think about, you know, like the metaphorical neighbor who's you know, out there somewhere, like the metaphorical poor who are out there. Um, it's easy to care for the poor in the sense of like, <coughs> I'm going to throw some money at them or, you know, out there. <coughs> Pardon me. But it's a whole other thing when they're in your house. Mm. And, you know, sometimes I'm literally washing the feet of the poor or washing their sheets or, you know, packing their lunch. And, um, you know, so in a sense, it was a way of practicing neighboring within your house. Mm. You know, it's um, frankly pushed us away from entertaining towards hospitality. Because when you have needy, you know, traumatized children living with you, you're not doing entertaining. Like, you are practicing hospitality, welcoming the stranger and the other in a way that our, that is a high need and it's a way that our culture does that. You know, we don't have that sort of um, scenario that you read about in the Bible where, like, a stranger comes and knocks on your door and asks for a place to stay. You know, we have hotels and we have all these other things. But this is, in a sense, somebody knocking on your door and saying, we need a safe place, a place to stay and so for our family it was a way of even having our house be a laboratory for our kids for us to expand our bandwidth on uh, what our experiences were and so we saw things that were way more beautiful than we ever have seen our our eight-year-old teaching the other eight-year-old foster kid how to read um unrequited we didn't ask for that you know them curling up together on the couch um being sweet but then we also saw ugliness um, that we wouldn't have seen otherwise, like real pettiness, meanness, um, even sort of some racist tendencies, you know, and it's like, but we're better than now in our household to work that out, to confront it, Mm. to root it out. Um, And so, you know, in some ways, like it's expanded our bandwidth, you know, we had a pretty comfortable sort of slice and road that we were walking on but this really expanded that you know good and bad you know beautiful and ugly and tested my patience you know I've I've been confronted with sin in my life through this that like I've 
wouldn't have been aware of otherwise had I not had sort of that acute uh, neighboring experiment right in my <laughs> own house 24-7, you know, kind of thing. So it's, um, you know, it's been good, uh, it's been hard, uh, but it's really, uh, you know, the whole impulse came from that outpouring of not only neighboring the people who are just like you, but people who are unlike you uh, and people who are in need. And so we went through the fostering classes with um, several other families from the church. And so there's a number of us that are sort of trying it together. And again, it's sort of another, it's sort of another experiment. You know, we didn't know what we were getting into. We had no idea, um, you know, but we've learned a lot and, you know, hopefully it's been, you know, tearing off a piece of darkness and letting the kingdom come a little bit brighter. You live in Cincinnati and mm-hmm. Cincinnati is very different from Philadelphia and Pennsylvania. Um, and the Northeast. So can you tell us, tell me first, like, what is life in Cincinnati like? Yeah, so Cincinnati is uh, southwest Ohio, right on the Ohio River, right on the Mason-Dixon line. They say that Cincinnati is the northernmost southern city and the southernmost northern city. Uh, so you get a little bit of that Midwestern, north-south sort of melting pot all together. It sits kind of in a bowl where the glacier stopped came down and kind of stopped and left this divot of the city. <laughs> so the downtown area actually sits sort of in a bowl, um, sort, of, sort of locked. German immigrants came. Um, one of the areas of the town is called Over the Rhine. It's one of our neighborhoods because it looked like the area over the Rhine River. Strong German heritage. Um, and one of the unique things about Cincinnati um, is that uh, the band Over the Rhine that came from this neighborhood says it's one of the guys in the band says it's a, a small town dressed up like a big city. So 250,000 people um, in the city proper, big suburban area, but it's got a lot of the big city amenities, you know, got a great symphony orchestra, we way out punch our class in terms of arts, um, theater companies, museums, all that kind of stuff. It's Cincinnati Bengals, Cincinnati Reds, a couple universities. So we have a lot of these big city amenities without some of the big city problems. It still very much feels like a small city. You can hardly go anywhere without running into somebody you know. It's that kind of city and that kind of feel. One of the unique things about Cincinnati is in the city proper, it's made up of 52 distinct neighborhoods. And each neighborhood kind of has a, a community council and also an urban redevelopment corporation, or each neighborhood can have that. And so each neighborhood has its own little sort of feel and flavor. And our church, as we say, we're in you know Oakley and Norwood and the surrounding five or six neighborhoods. So everything's sort of in that hub. Mm-hmm. But that encompasses, encompasses about a two-mile square um, around our church building, um, which is about you know fifty thousand people within that couple. Mm. It's a pretty dense mm. area, yeah. um, but it touches about six or seven neighborhoods. But each neighborhood sort of has its own unique feel and and flavor and all those kinds of things. It's kind of its own identity, which is kind of fun. Um, makes for some you know fun rivalries among neighborhoods, that kind of thing. Yeah, that's very similar to uh, what we see in Philadelphia, and also what I saw in Pittsburgh is that we have very specific neighborhoods or very specific parishes and that's mm-hmm. it actually helps make neighboring easier um because like oh if you like lived in like to, to use pittsburgh very specifically if you lived in lawrenceville well you're in lawrenceville you're not you're not in oakland mm-hmm. or and like and so like where the universities would be in oakland uh but lawrenceville um it, it didn't have any of the universities that had children's hospital and so forth and so what we see um, here uh, in Westchester, very specifically, like we actually have 
like um, various like wards in different parts of our our borough. So yeah. that's that's actually so that's one of the things that's very similar to us, like a very very specific neighborhoods, and it makes neighboring easier. Like yeah. it's like hey, let's walk down to the farmers market, or it's you can actually encourages lo- living locally. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and so so one of the, the one of the things I. One of the reasons why I wanted to, to chat with you is because I, there's some pretty awesome similarities between uh, my church, Ironworks, and your church, New City, and we're, we're both church plants. Uh, mm-hmm. we, we're both near university campuses, and we both have these amazing historic buildings that are wonderful assets. And so can you, can you just uh, tell, tell me more uh, about New City as well, and specifically just like... Um, like this will be building up to my next question about why New City wanted to do the art of neighboring uh, together. So can you just help me learn more about New City first? Yeah, so we were formed in uh, 2009. Our lead pastor, Josh Rotano, was working in a church in the northern suburbs. Um, had been a youth pastor there for about seven years, and the plan was always to plant. Mm-hmm. And so he was leading youth and young adults, and a lot of the young adults that were driving up there were coming from our neighborhood, Oakley, and the surrounding area down about 10 minutes north of the city center. And so when the time came to plant, it was very natural to just say, well, that's where people are coming from. There's already something going on there. It's where the people are. Um, and so that's kind of how it was formed. It really did come out of a um, really good relationships and friendships that were already established. And so from the very beginning, um, this, the heart of hospitality was there. People genuinely liked each other. Um, they just hung around together, spent time together. We were formed out of community groups. Two community groups became New City. And so from the very beginning, community and that relationship aspect was always at the heart of it. And even the leadership as they planned and dreamed and schemed together, it was always built around that strong sense of friendship and wanting to invite other people into it. So from the very beginning, that has kind of been the, the heartbeat of the church right and, and so you did the the exact same project mm-hmm. that we are doing as a church that you read the book the art of neighboring together as a church i believe over the summer mm-hmm. um what how long ago did you do that boy that was it may have been four or five years ago okay. so just when no. the church was like two or three years old or yeah so fairly like fairly um pretty much in, into your your youth so um, as you think back to that time, what specifically led your church to do to do that book together? Well, I think what the book did when we had heard about it was it sort of articulated something that we already sort of wanted to do or had in seed form. Which was, it just what, made which it a little bit more specific. Just this idea of wanting to get to know our neighbors, and it gave us some more very specific like sort of stories and tactics on how to do that. We sort of wanted to do it, and I think we were maybe, you know, as we were toddlers sort of toddling through, this really gave us the sort of the, the language and the some of the tools to make it happen a little bit more intentionally. It sort of, it, you know, it said the words that we were unable to kind of articulate ourselves, and so utilizing the book was the perfect way, um, you know, just sort of as a project to study it together and just say, hey, what... What from this can we take and translate into our ministry? Stuff that we're already doing in some ways, but do it even better, mm-hmm. a little bit more intentionally. Mm-hmm. You know, and and since then it really has become one of our maybe our largest 
unspoken core values, not in the original core values, in, in its exact, you know, in mm. those kinds of words, but it really has become even more so a, a heartbeat of our, of our church. So the unspoken core value for mm-hmm. New would be the art of neighboring. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so what, like, and I, I kind of want to crystallize that idea. What does, like, if you would put it in a simple thought beyond the art of neighboring, what does, what is the art of neighboring? Mm-hmm. Well, I, th- I think in the book it mentions this, and we've just sort of adopted it as our own, is that, <laughs> you know, it's basically saying, well, what if when Jesus said love your neighbors, he meant not the metaphorical neighbor that, like, everybody mm-hmm. but your actual physical neighbors you know in the book they have you do that block map mm-hmm. where you draw your people a little project just, the grid yeah and like you know know their names and then something about them and then a way you can be praying for them and those kinds of things where it's like oh so neighbor became not a concept but a physical person an actual human neighbor who lives near you right and so sort of putting that fine point on it is really just loving the people who are in a physical proximate space to you. <laughs> you know, maybe your neighbor in your cube at work or your neighbor around your house. You know, we specifically focus on house mostly, but it applies in, you know, if you're in an apartment or if you're in a condominium complex or if you're at work in your workplace, whatever it is, you have people that are physically proximate to you. What does it mean to love them? And how does that how does that happen? And so we just we sort of looked at it as like we talk about it in terms of experiments. You know, because we're not, there's nothing that's going to work 100%. I think it's one of the most challenging things about neighboring Mm -hmm. is there's no one-to-one, like, if you do this, then this will happen. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, we, my wife and I, both of us sort of would get anxious when we'd have to think about, like, hosting. And even my mom would say, like, well, you guys host so many, like, dinner parties and stuff. She says you do a lot of entertaining. Mm -hmm. I was like, I was just telling her, mom, we're not doing entertaining. This isn't entertaining hospitality is different than that you know entertaining is you know performance Martha Stewart stuff hospitality as like it says and Paul says in one of his letters you know we shared with you the gospel and our lives as well mm-hmm. you know really letting people into your life mm-hmm. as well as sharing the gospel with them and it, but it, for my wife and I make us very anxious to think about oh my gosh there's people coming over and will they judge us if this is out of place or whatever because there's this this sense that you have to have all your stuff in order right. um, to have somebody in your house. And so we, we sort of said, okay, we're not ready for that. We couldn't just dive in. So we're like, well, let's do like a porch happy hour front yard. And a lot of kids in our neighborhood. And so we just, okay, we're going to do happy hours. We're going to, you know, if you really want to go all out, you can, you know, maybe put out some pretzels or something, mm-hmm. bring your own drinks, you know, mm-hmm. and then you're not, then we avoided the whole like, Ton, having tons of alcohol or you know no alcohol you know because some people get can get weird about that but like bring your drinks come hang out on the front porch mm-hmm. and then it was like oh somebody one of the kids had to use the bathroom okay go in the house you know and it was little by little we just sort of like let that out mm-hmm. and all of a sudden it became much more comfortable mm-hmm. to have people around have people on the front porch so little by little we sort of learned and developed that skill and then you know one of the coolest things is um, our neighbors Christian and non-Christian started rotating our like Friday night happy hours. All the kids will play, and like everybody just sort of picked it up. Then the street next door, one block over, started doing it. Some folks from the church they started doing it there, and so those kinds of little experiments just started working. And we do like outdoor movies and stuff. But you know, one of the hardest things is not only that barrier of thinking, how do I get 
into hospitality versus entertaining or how do I open up my house because I'm nervous about what people are thinking. Another one is like some people just don't want to receive it. And, you know, as much as Cincinnati is a Midwestern town, you still have some of that Southern hospitality. There's just some people that just, ne- like, they're just tough nuts to crack. They just never, never come to the happy hours. They never come to the block parties. We had one couple that lived across the street for a while, and they were renting medical students. We're not far from all the hospitals. And um, Middle Eastern descent, I think they were Muslim, very polite, but we would invite them to things. And the the wife would bring like food over leave it and then leave like she'd bring food to feed us but right. would never stay mm-hmm. and we were kind of like yeah but we want you guys like we want you to come mm-hmm. as well but it was like you know and for whatever reason they just were never really open to engaging on that personal level beyond like yeah we want to contribute in this way but we're not gonna mm-hmm. you know another neighbor's been there for 20 some years across the street I have, like, three conversations with him a year, you know. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, I'll be doing yard work, and he'll come over, and I'm like, oh, you know, there he is. Um, but, you know, he he just kind of, on his own terms, you know, but it, looking at it as a seed-sowing, experiment, long game kind of thing, mm-hmm. you know. It's hard to think, because it feels like projection, you know, mm-hmm. when you're like, well, we're doing this, and we want to have something... Great, you know. And then I had another neighbor for a while. He's moved since, but he got angry about some of this stuff. You know, he always thought I was controlling or like trying to like up to something you know so there are as many great stories and we've developed a real great sense of community on our street there's also you know some challenges as well yeah I like, I like to learn more about some of the challenges here but like as you're sharing many of the different encounters and examples of neighboring that you have like I remember in my own life one time my wife and I basically we, we owned our home in Pittsburgh for a few years and so we decided to uh, throw an open house to invite all our neighbors like on a street over to our house and like that was actually unheard of mm-hmm. and but we created a nice invitation for emails and people said yes we'd love to come and uh, our, they RSVP they brought some things um, and like they, they all they, uh, all our neighbors showed up it was wonderful but then there are other times when like we would try to seek to interact with those neighbors like just like in it more informally like mm-hmm. you know, just casually one on one and like we'd have one amazing neighbor who was uh, a, a, this lovely elderly uh, Greek woman who made amazing baklava and she would always like hey have some baklava would you like some would you like come over for some coffee but then we'd have other neighbors who were just like yeah just wave and while we're just mowing the grass it's like mm-hmm. keeping the the friendly distance and like mm-hmm. so like it's it's it, it, that's this kind of gets at like some of the challenges in my mind it's just like of the when you're neighboring, uh, you're the, just to state the obvious, like you're dealing with uh, very different people with very different personalities and temperaments and, like, mm-hmm. and understandings of what it means to be a good next door neighbor. Yeah, um, and it can and it can be overwhelming too. Be, you know, on the other side of things, like there are some people who stonewall you. There are other people that you know could be so demanding or or what was the proverb? I was just reading it the other day. You know. Don't spend. Don't put your feet too often in your neighbor's house, right? Like, you don't don't overstay your welcome, kind of thing. And so there's there's that too. Like you, you have to have boundaries. Both my wife and I do some work at home, particularly when we had our foster kids with us, because we just needed to have kind of all hands on deck. And so when we were at home working, and our kids were home, and other kids would want to come in and play, or other adults, we'd have to sort of like you, you have to have some boundaries too, because otherwise you just it could be crazy making. Uh, you know, so there is a tension there 
um, you know, you're kind of holding that, um, holding those things in tension, like wanting to be neighbors, you know, recognizing some people have different tolerances, while at the same time having your own boundaries so that you're, um, so you're doing it in a healthy way that can kind of be sustainable. Thank you for listening to the second episode of the Art of Neighboring podcast. As summer is in full swing, look for ways to greet your neighbors and get to know them. Looking ahead for the podcast, next week I will be joined by Travis Scott, who was a missionary to New Zealand for almost a decade, and now pastors Grace and Peace Presbyterian Church in Pittsburgh. He'll be sharing stories and insights as to what neighboring looks like cross-culturally in other countries and also here in the United States. I hope you'll join us, and for now, may the Lord be with you.